You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on in to the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're doing our roundtable recapping in the 2018 football season. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And Scott. It's good to be back, baby. It's good to see you, gentlemen, once again. And hey, what's a roundtable with just three guys? We had to bring in some heavy hitters. Sounds like a, sounds like a joke. <laughs> we bring out some heavy hitters from Ute Zone. We have Dan Sorensen and Brian Brown. How are you guys doing? Hey, how's it going? You guys said you needed a roundtable, so I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, we have to let you know that we are recording at Doubletree Suites in downtown Salt Lake City. It's nice here. I like it. It is nice. I'm very zen. I feel so relaxed here. I, I kind of want to go grab a bathrobe and just wander around and pretend like I'm staying at the hotel. <laughs> you should. They, yeah. That's that's a good idea. Yeah, I know. It's, well, it's not too late. The podcast has just started. <laughs> <laughs> so they're taking care of us down here, and they'll take care of you, too. So Valentine's Day is just around the corner. Do a favor. Get your significant other. Come down so you can hang out downtown. Come to Doubletree. Stay the night. They got a swimming pool. They got a bar, restaurant. Everything you need, they got you covered. So you can always check them out online at Hilton.com, and they're located at 110 West, 600 South. And you can give them a call at 801-359-7800. All right, gentlemen, so the roundtable. Before we get in the season, let's talk about the coaching changes. Andy Ludwig is coming home as the OC. I'll just throw it out here. First initial thoughts of the whole process. It was a long process. A lot longer than I thought it would be. But uh, it's good. I, I, I like it. I'm excited to have Andy back. I was, I was on the Rich Rod bandwagon. I was driving that bus. I think it would have been fun to see. And just, just the sideline entertainment would have been worth it. But uh, I, I, I really like the Ludwig hire and bringing him back. You were trying to tweet that Rich Rod hire into existence. Were you? I was doing everything I could. Yeah. I, I, like Even early in the season, I feel like I saw a couple of those. So. I think he was more on a non-football thing, though. It, <laughs> yeah, was, it was more of an entertainment it, it, value. I, I was pretty, being pretty selfish. I was I was more interested on off-the-field entertainment. Yeah. Versus, you know they don't uh, do the hard knock show for college football, right? <laughs> you just wanted the gifts. We could have talked the Pac-12 network into doing something for that. <laughs> it would have yeah. been worth it. it, it, it the, they, they needed to reinstitute the full season of The Drive. Yeah, yeah exactly. How do I subscribe to the cut footage? <laughs> but is Ludwig the guy? I mean, we had guys like what you said, Scott. Rich Rod, Steve Sarkeesian's name was getting thrown out there. Jim Harding's name was out there. He's already on staff. It was Ludwig the right move? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think given how the process worked out, that was absolutely the best thing that you could walk away with. It was not a name that I think any of us expected to hear. No. But it, honestly... Had he not get gotten offered a lot more money to leave Utah back in 2008, 2009, he might very well still be the OC for Kyle Whittingham. He might be the only OC who could have tolerated Whittingham for that long. <laughs> and so I, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's a guy who knows what he's coming into. He knows the market. He knows the coaching staff here. He knows the head man here. He knows what Utah fans expect. So I think given how the whole process worked out, and, and they took their shot at some big names, and missed, and so I think if you're looking for a B or a B, you know, B two candidate, 
you're not going to find many better than Andy Gladwood. So, and I'm going to throw this out here. You know, you you talk about taking a shot at big names and and missing, but. Everywhere else but the state of Utah, Andy Ludwig is a big name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and sure. people need to remember that. And so I think that Utah fans will be like, oh, you know, a typical wit hire, the, the negative set. There, I know there's been a lot of positivity about this hire, and, and rightfully so. Um, and, I, and I am definitely in that camp as well. And the, the one thing that sold me was look at, look at what he did at Wisconsin, and then look at what he did at Vandy and taking that terrible Vandy offense and making them respectable against good SEC defenses and that tough SEC division. And then what he did at Wisconsin with Melvin Gordon Mm -hmm. and knowing that Zach Moss is coming back next year. And I, I, I have to think, and I, and I know that Zach was leaning towards coming back anyway. And a lot of people were in his ear, you know, even that, that, you know, and, and maybe one reason for, to give a plug to, to Brian's new employer, one reason for you fans to support the Salt Lake Stallions is I know for a fact that Dennis Erickson was encouraging Zach Moss to come back for his senior year. Uh, and, in a major way. In a major, major way. way. And, and, and so, you know, he was, you know, helping out the cause even still. But the fact that, you know, Melvin Gordon rushed for 2,500 yards at Wisconsin. And yeah, and yeah, it's Wisconsin. They run the football. And, but, you know, Lud, what Ludwig does well is he will tailor his offense to the people that he's got. And he's got Zach Moss, and hopefully he's healthy, and hopefully they can find a couple answers on the O-line. But if there was ever a chance for a Utah back to, you know, break that John White record that was, what, 1,511 yards, something in that range, you know, that's it. There's a great chance for Zach to to break every single major rushing record uh, at the University of Utah under Ludwig, and I, I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be awesome to watch. Well, and, and if you take away his past here at Utah, we just took an OC from the SEC. Yeah. Who, who, wouldn't, yeah. Be, who wouldn't be excited about that? If I he mean, hadn't been a Utah, Ute fans would be ecstatic about it. Yeah. Yeah. If you changed his name to Dandy Pudwig... <laughs> 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 Done. <laughs> Done. That, well, that name was mentioned on the Ute Zone boards yeah, at least once. I think that's, that's his Twitter that, handle. That's a, that's a credit to Steve Bartle right there. So. <laughs> Sting on, Steve-o. Um, You know, if, if you changed his name and just put out the statistics or, you know, like did the Coach A, Coach B, and then put out the statistics of each offense, I think Utah fans would have chosen him 10 times out of 10. But it's just not a... Uh, I don't know. I, I can't think of a good minute for it right now. It's like having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when you're really craving steak. And it doesn't mean that a PB&J can't be good. It doesn't mean that it's not good for is, you. Is, is A-Rod the PBJ? <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. <laughs> they're, they're speechless. A-Rod is... Just kidding. A-Rod. I'm just trying to think. Like, like A-Rod is the stale banana. That's what A-Rod is. Wow. You're, you're mean. Wow. No. Um... Aaron Aaron gets a bad rap because for all the same reasons, right? Utah Utah fans saw the movie over and over and over and over and over again, and he never wanted to evolve the offense. I think that's what Troy Taylor did that Utah fans started to to, to attach themselves to that they really liked. Is you saw more and more as the season went on, and that was so different from what we're used to. But if you really look at the numbers, what Troy did doesn't even come close to matching what Andy Ludwig did in his last year here. It's true. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's one of those things that, and I was actually credit to the fan base because when they saw the news, I think most people were okay with it. Um, but the, just the way the search went down, Kyle definitely took an approach of, of being very, very aggressive and going after candidates, you know, 
Sark, Rich Rod, I, I Mike McCoy was a name that was mentioned, and, and I, I think there was it, a lot of It was of a very guys. Unwittingham offseason, it yeah. seemed like. Yeah. Whereas I think in, in past years, he might have been a little reticent to go after a guy like that, like bring him in from the outside and, and kind of disrupt what they have chemistry-wise. I think this time around he was open to it because he knows how, how good his team is and, and how much they can succeed. I, I, I said with Stephen Cam on our, our podcast that you might not see the effect of losing Troy Taylor for another two or three years. I'm taking that statement back now because I think Andy Ludwig is that good that he eliminates any issues that we'll see going forward. Plus, if you haven't seen Vandy's offense, go watch it because it's going to really – like Utah fans are going to love it. There's a lot of – Shotgun stuff. There's a lot of spread stuff. There's a lot of under center stuff. There's a lot of play action that's really great. Um, and, and for their personnel, it's really, I, your team right now is loaded at running back with Zach Moss coming back and tight ends and, and no better system than good play action stuff for both of those guys. And, and I think one thing that needs to be mentioned here is, uh, you know, you're talking about an, an Unwittingham like, uh, uh, off season or, or or Kyle swinging for the fences or you know or going big or being aggressive or whatever, I, I think that the underlying reason why he was doing that is really important. So if I, if I can uh, don the the uh, the, the Kool Aid Man <laughs> suit, you know the the reason that he was going being so aggressive is Utah thinks they can win the Pac twelve next year, and I think it's Pac twelve or championship or bust next year. Now they're not going to say that publicly, you know. The goal is always to win the championship. They're going to do Kyle is the master of coach speak, like that. They're going to do that, but that's why they were so aggressive. They think they've got the personnel on defense and offense, and yes, they got to plug a few holes, but they think even think that they're going to be able to do just that. To, to put themselves in a position to win the conference entirely, and they're going for it in a big way. And they need to. It's, it's, we've talked about this before. It, if you don't win a Pac-12 championship, the extreme measures that you're going to have to take to really build this program to continue into that upper echelon where you're mentioned with teams like USC and Washington and Oregon is so drastic that it might not even – I mean – it. It's so boomer bust that you may end up just in the perennial cycle of just being average, and and that's probably I think the worst place to be. So, you know, you have to take your shot now and do something. And, and if you get that Pac-12 championship this upcoming season, now all of a sudden things change for you and for the program. If it is Pac-12 championship or bust next year, you've you've seen it throughout the different programs. You've seen it. You saw it with Troy Taylor when he first got here. There seems to be a learning curve with a new OC and it kind of takes a while for that to, to kick in. Do you see that with Ludwig? Uh, yes and no. Um, for the, the yes, because you're absolutely right. It just, there, there's going to be an adjustment period and, and that's going to be, you know, just something that we're going to see. And, and, um, but no, because your leaders on offense are, are all seniors or, or upperclassmen. So, you know, your leaders on offense are a senior quarterback in Tyler Huntley, a senior running back in, in Zach Moss. You're going to have a, you know, a junior return missionary in Britton Covey that's going to be leading the, the receiver core. Uh, you're basically returning every starter that you've got with the exception of the offensive line. And, and the offensive line should be a concern for people. But, you know, I, I think that's going to be a bigger hiccup in terms of the, the offensive line gelling and and figuring things out and finding the best five to plug in those holes and i mean you're losing three all three all conference caliber linemen it, mm -hmm. it's 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 no small task this is going to be the most difficult job that jim harding has ever had and it's going to be really interesting to see what he does but because of that leadership i think that and, and the fact that 
Andy is a unique guy in the sense that Andy's not going to change the nomenclature and, and, and the play calling and the language that they use uh, to fit his system. He's going to come in and adapt that nomenclature to what he wants to do. And that's something that he's done throughout his entire career. So there will be less of an onus on the players to learn things as opposed to Andy figuring that out and, and, and picking up the nomenclature. And, and he's smart enough that he's able to do that. But it's going to help to ease and accelerate that transition, in my opinion. The thing that they have coming back is just the the volume of experience they have at key positions. I don't know if we have a quarterback that's got as much talent and experience as Tyler Huntley does. Um, you know, we've talked about quarterbacks in the past that have been up and down or maybe haven't had the commitment level um, or, or whatever reason uh, or, or the talent ability that Tyler does. And I think they're, they know exactly what they have now in Tyler. And they can show Andy the film, show him what he needs to be. They tried to turn him into a pocket-passing multiple progression type guy last year and it's just never going to be him so they know how to coach him now they know how to make him uh, effective and, and i think tyler really bought in later on in the season to that role and you could see him really not adapt his game but really invest i think in doing the things that they were trying to get him to do the make a read and then if it's not there you know either take off and run or just go underneath um, and and you could see, I think the UCLA game really stands out in my mind where he wasn't quite sharp, but they were still just rolling on offense because of what Zach was doing. But you could see how frustrated Tyler was with his own performance and how much he cared about it. And it wasn't just enough anymore to just be winning the game handily. Well, and and I even you know if you look at Ludwig himself, look at all look at all the opportunities or all the all the changes that he's had throughout his career. You know, he's made so many different changes from school to school. And just last Friday, you hear, you heard him himself talk about this very thing of implementing this system. And over the years, he's found different, different ways to incorporate change quickly and efficiently. And so I think, I think the fact that he's got that track record along with the senior leadership and the experience that we have coming back, I think that's going to, that's going to help immensely, but you know you're probably still going to have some learning curve here and there. But hopefully not what we saw against NIU and against Washington early on in this season. Well, and especially while the coaching staff kind of meshes together, right? Um, so I want to throw this out to the table. Do you guys think we see any more changes? Jim Harding has interviewed in with the NFL with the Browns. He he didn't get the job, but when Jim Harding gets passed over, is that a possibility if someone? that is looking for greener pastures? Does Andy Ludwig want to bring in someone he's more familiar with? Or do you guys think that's it's kind of we're past that now, we'll just get through the season and maybe next off season? I don't think you're past it. You're, what you're seeing now is that, that coaching changes come in cycles, right? It'll come immediately after the season. It'll come after the first signing day, and it'll come after the second signing yeah. day. It's it's not locked in until spring football starts. Uh, and, and even then, sometimes you see changes. Although in this staff... Um, because of the stability that Whittingham has, I don't think we'll see that. But, you know, yeah, Harding with a potential NFL job is is always a risk. And I think, you know, I don't think that there are a lot of college programs that could hi hire Harding away as an O-line coach, uh, you know, unless they just threw unholy amounts of money at him. Uh, but certainly NFL jobs could – and he, if he were offered an NFL job, he would take it. Just that you fans need to be prepared for that eventuality. Someday it's going to happen. He should take it too. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. And, and he's an ambitious guy and, 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 and you know, it's going to help him long term in his career. And it's, you know, it's the ability to, you know, uh, chase success at the highest level. And that's something that he's going to want to do. So, you know, Harding is a possibility. You know, we are hearing whispers that there might be another change beyond that. Um, I've heard a few names floating around the, the sewing circle, if you will. Um, but... I would be surprised if that happened before signing day. Um, uh, defensive staff is locked in. It's going to be locked in. Um, Morgan Scally's got that group. I love the hire of Colton Swan. Old school dude. Um, yeah, let's kind of let's kind of talk about that because I know that got a lot of reaction from Ute fans as kind of an underwhelming hire. Mm-hmm. Going, why are we going to Weber to get a, a linebacker coach? Which they did before, because Weber is a damn good football team. Mm-hmm. They they took that a garbage Weber program, turned it into a top ten FCS program, and they were playing amazing football. And oh, by the way, you may notice that, that you know that. A beneath you Weber team sure gave the Utah offense all they could handle. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Jay Hill knows what he's doing. He knows how to coach. Um, Swan is, you know, can you think of a better fit for a Whittingham defense? No, I mean, this is this is a guy that he came to Weber State as a player uh, to, to to be a rodeo guy. And first of all, if you're a rodeo guy, you're crazy, uh, and <laughs> you just are. You know, to get on the backs of of those giant beasts and uh you know and 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 do that thing and he he walked onto the football team earned a scholarship turned himself into an all-conference player has coached at that school forever because he loves the school and was given an opportunity because he's got respect and he's got the endorsement from uh from you know jay hill and and people will say well you know he's not that lights out recruiter but people need to understand most of these lights out recruiters you hear about where are they recruiting to they're recruiting to tennessee or they're recruiting to or usc or alabama or big name brand programs i could commit i could recruit five-star kids to alabama i could recruit (laughs) five-star kids to usc without lifting a finger yeah. You know, they show up. So just because, you know, they're getting these big names at these big name programs does not necessarily mean they're a lights out recruiter. When you're recruiting for an FCS program, that means you know how to scout. That means you know how to, to project. And that means that, you know, you know how to out hustle because you have to out hustle, especially if you want to get the guys that are going to make you into a top 10 program. You got to get the guys that should be at Mountain West schools playing for your FCS program, which means that you need to be able to scout. There's a reason why we were sending guys into the NFL. And Swan is a, a part of this. He mm-hmm. knows how to do this. Now imagine what might he might be able to do with some Pac-12 resources. You know, Kyle McDonald came from the FCS program. He's been recruiting just fine. I have no doubt in my mind that Swan can do the same thing. I think it's a fantastic hire. I think it's a great fit. And that cohesiveness in the defensive staff is one of the reasons why that defense has been so good. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, you know, I, I think the other part about it, too, is that Kyle found found guys on that defensive staff early on that could deal with his demands and and how much he expects from his coaches. And so what better guy to get than a guy who has done that time and time again at Weber State? He was the only coach that was retained when they fired Jody Sears and and went out and hired Jay Hill. So that obviously speaks to his ability there at Weber State. The other part of the problem that I think – why does the guy stay at Weber forever? Well, there's two answers, right? Either you're not a good enough coach or you just don't know anybody in the industry. And – Colton just didn't know anybody. He didn't have any connections. He started there as a player, went on there as a GA. They haven't had a coach leave Weber for a bigger program in a long, long time. That's going to happen eventually with Jay Hill. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he was always there. But 
you know, I, I texted a friend of mine who coaches at, at, a, at a P5 level and asked him what, you know, you know anything about this guy? And, and the first thing that he said back to me was he's one of the best coaches in the country. And so I think that's one of those things where that's the true Winningham way to go find a diamond in the rough for a linebacker coach, right? So he kind of stuck to his guns in, in terms of hiring a linebacker coach. And then for the OC possession, he went after something you know big and, and shot his shot. And, you know, they missed one and got the next. So. So this is something that I learned a lot because I would always try and predict and judge and, and base things. And, and we talked about this earlier, right? I had some really snarky commentary on Guy Holiday, and uh, I didn't like the hire initially. And I've had to steadily eat a diet of crow ever since then because he's great. And a lot of it is because I've had a chance to watch him work up close. The other part of it is he's done a really good job with the wide receiver court at Utah. So, but but we, we have not gotten any hot piss tweets. From no, and that's so disappointing. <laughs> since he came to Utah, that's the disappointment right there. Just, just needed one. He was so cordial on Twitter this year. <laughs> Frustrating. All right, so I think that's a, a great way to start the start the podcast with kind of, you know the the big news with the coaching hires. Let's dive into this 2018 season. Utah wins South Division title. They lay an egg in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington. Offensively, they laid the an egg. Exactly. I was about to say the same okay. thing. You were 1,000% <laughs> correct. And then they go out and get a lead at half in the bowl game and then end up losing to Northwestern. So taking with, this, with, with the overall season, from preseason till now, did they meet expectations? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you argue against that considering they did something that They've never done before that no Utah football program has done. They won the South, which was, which was that next step that this program needed to take. It was a, it was definitely a roller coaster of a season. I mean, you look at how the season started. The slow, the offense was slow. Um, the first, what, three games of the season and, uh, but, you know, and then they go on a 40 point swing for four straight games. And, and, uh, so you, you, we kind of saw a little bit of everything from this team this year. Um, but overall, I think I think it was a huge success, even with the rocky road that you that you went on through part of it. I obviously do too think it's a huge success, and I think you have to look at a little bit at what happened after the injuries took place. You lose Huntley, you lose Moss. They still managed to win the South. I mean, you, you have to. I think you have to look at both sides. The South was down a little bit this year, and that that helped out. But they did what they needed to do to to do it. With with some tough injuries. Well, after that Washington game, who here thought they were going to win the South? I did. Did you really? True story. So, well, and and before the season, I, I predicted nine and three and the Pac twelve South title. So and so for once in my life, I was a smart guy. For once <laughs> in my life, um, but it's I was standing on the sidelines after the Washington game, and it was funny because in 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 the. Um, the press conference after the game, uh, Cody Barton basically said, we're going to see these guys again in, in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was crazy. I, I, I'm like, you know, and it, when he said, I'm like, yeah, you know, I got, you know, uh, <laughs> I got the chills. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so people of a certain religious persuasion may, may interpret that a certain way, but I'm like, yeah, he's right. You know, um, uh, but I, I remember standing on the sideline uh, before the Washington game. I was talking to Michelle Bodkin, uh, also of UZone.com. And I said to Michelle, I said, they're going to lose tonight. And I said, but then they're going to – I said, watch. They're going to lose tonight, 
and then they're going to go win like four straight. Now, I was wrong about the Washington State game, but I was right about, you know, going on the win streak. I knew, I knew they were going to beat Stanford. I knew it. Um, and I, you know, and I knew that, you know, UCLA was terrible, that they were going to do that. And, and so I, I knew that even though they had lost that first game to Washington, that they had the chance to get themselves right. And, and, and part of it was because, and, and I caught all kinds of hell. Uh, in the first three weeks of the season because during all during fall camp, you know, we're like, you know, let's, you know, ride the championship train and, and let's go. And this offense looks amazing. And they looked amazing in fall camp. Cam was they, there. No, they looked really good. They did. You know, COC Mariner was doing things in fall camp that I was like, he looks like an NFL receiver. There were certain plays that he'd make and, and catches that he would make and you know, just the, the offense looked so good, and then they come out, and I was mystified, and, and I took heat, and there were certain radio hosts in Salt Lake City that were calling me out by name for, you know, inflating people's expectations. I ne- He never did apologize to me, by yeah, the way, because I was right. there either. Um, but... but but I <laughs> knew I is knew that, is that shade? Because no. I just threw it. No, dude, you're right. You're right. Mm. Yep. Anyway, I knew what they looked like in the preseason in fall camp. I knew that the the offense was not going to stay bad the entire season, and I knew that the this that they just played the probably the toughest team they were going to play, and they were going to go on a they were going to go on a tear. Um, and so now, when Tyler Huntley went down and Zach Moss went down. I did not think they were going to win the South anymore. <laughs> I don't think any. I don't, I don't think you're alone did. there. And and I did that. Uh, no, <laughs> that and that's the, the most remarkable thing. You know, Jason Shelley, what he did, and and Armand Shine, what he did against Oregon. And granted, he struggled in some of the other games, but what he did against Oregon and in the second half of BYU. You know. Those were all-time performances, and 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 I hope that that's something that goes down in legend. That though, regardless of whatever happens in the future for their careers, it's something that Ute fans will be able to look back on those two guys in particular and how they stepped up and got the Utes over the hump finally, and and they they look back fondly because of that. I, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of accuracy in a lot of the things that Dan just said. I, I, this team all year long was very, very resilient. I think that was why it was so shocking to see things happen the way they did in the bowl game. Uh, but, you know, at the BYU game, it, it was kind of, ob- I shouldn't say obvious, it was evident that they were kind of starting to run out of gas, I think, emotionally, and they put a lot more into it there. And then in the Pac-12 championship game, you know, you're just one bad bounce away from... A real bad bounce. Yeah. <laughs> well, which apparently we were the leader in the NCAA in bad bounces this year because I think we had three go for touchdowns. Well, Utah led the entire FBS in fumbles as well, and that's something that's going to be addressed in the off season in a big way. And you know, a lot of those came out of the slot receiver position, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to call those two guys that because one of them is absolutely beloved, and the other one was the biggest uh, explosive Surprise, playmaker yeah. that, mm-hmm. uh, that that Utah had. I'm not going to call them out, but I think we're going to see those two guys in the weight room a lot. And getting a lot stronger to help curb that, but fumbles were a huge, huge, huge issue, and were really—it's the reason why Utah lost the Pac-12 championship game, and it's the reason that they lost the the bowl game. There were a lot of things about that Utah team that were very uncharacteristic this year, but there were also things that came out that I think have really pushed the program in a different direction. Uh, behind the scenes, I think this team taught Coach Whittingham a lot about. Uh, letting guys be who they are while getting their work done. Whittingham got a lesson in hashtag team fun this he year. He did. He really did. And and there was some behind the scenes stuff uh, 
uh, I think this group kind of softened up this coaching staff in terms of there needs to be a better relationship with with all of us. And, and you guys need to let us have some fun. Uh, the one thing I can say comfortably is, you know, pregame meals used to be a really, really quiet atmosphere. And uh, I think this year that kind of changed a little bit to where there was a lot more fun, a lot more choking and a lot more good times. And and that's part of when you started to see that happen on the, you know, started to see changes on the field. It was also happening off the field and they were starting to let the, the reins go and let these kids be who they are. And the exciting part about it is you've got some dudes out there that can play ball and have some charisma. You know, I think that shot of Jason Shelley and TJ Green up in the muss at the end of the BYU game is going to be iconic for decades. So you put all that stuff together, there's a lot of good things going forward to, to, to point out and think, man, there's a lot of potential here. Well, and all that you just you guys just talked about, it's coming back. I mean, obviously, you know, we're focusing on uh, the season that we just that just took place, but I mean, the future is bright based off of all all of these guys who play pivotal roles, who are out there making plays. We get them back, and on offense, where we, you know, which is the, the the side of the ball that struggled for how many years now, you get all of that talent coming back. You know, and I mean, for, for me, you look at this season and yeah, the ups and downs that I alluded to earlier, but I mean, you look at Jason Shelley what, he, coming into this late in the season with all the pressure that's on him to still go out and win this South. Zach Moss, the same week, getting into bed goes down. I mean, everything that possibly, if you think about it, so many things that could have gone wrong went wrong. And they still did something that they had never done before. I mean, it was it's almost worthy of a Disney movie. And against the toughest schedule in the Pac-12, yeah. I might add. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, everybody kept saying this is this is happening a year ahead of schedule for that for that reason alone that uh, the teams in the South had essentially buys against uh, against the the weaker teams in the conference that so we just you know we didn't have those those, those same uh, benefits and so overall just it was a fun season and the growth that took place which is which just builds the excitement for for 2019 what about what about team fun for the chucky doll <laughs> for the what <laughs> the chucky doll didn't you ever see it in the uh, the post uh, Post-game celebrations. Post-game celebrations when they're singing we Utah, can't. man. So all we know about it is that one of Damari Simpkins, he has a homie back in Florida that apparently makes those, and somehow it got out to Utah, and Chucky spent most of the season in a backpack traveling the world. <laughs> Serious? Yeah. That's so funny. Dude. Yeah. And, so, and, they, and they will not say they anything not else about Chucky. No, like, it's like, it's... It is for team members only. Yeah, and, yeah and there's got to be a backstory to it. We, we sure. get a glimpse of it, but that's their hashtag team fun. And that's yeah. good. You know, and I, I, I love, I love to see that. And, and, and frankly, you know, I think we saw, and, and I, I don't want to miscategorize the Utah fan base because I don't want to sound elitist in any way. And I also don't want to, to lump in the, the the vast majority with the negative minority and the negative minority gets really really loud but and i know they don't represent everybody but i really do think that there i you know i give kudos to to utah fans and and 
their approach to the season and as things went on and, uh, you know, and how they represented the program and, and they, they were having fun with it. You know, at the beginning of the year, like I kept talking about team fun and go team fun. And, and I will do that until the day that I know, know you know, until the day I kill over. Cause really, if, if we're not having fun doing this, then what's the point? Sure, yeah. Right. And so, and it should be fun. And, and, you know, and, and it's a great way to, to experience things with your family and to connect with friends. And, and the stuff I saw in the tailgate lot was fantastic all season long and, and just mad props to the people that win or lose, you know, what was going on. The, the way that Ute fans represented in the Pac 12 title game and in the bowl game. And even though the outcomes weren't what we wanted, you know, I think people made those trips and I think they had a great time making those trips. And at the end of the day, it's not about whether the Utes win or lose. It's a lot more fun when they win, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. But man, the Utah fans were awesome this year. And I think they deserve a lot of credit and a lot of props. And I hope that the fan base continues to grow. And I hope the fan base continues to grow in the fun and creative ways that they're doing to go out and have fun. And, you know, we see it a lot in the ACC and the SEC and the Big Ten. It's why college football is is the religion. It's part of the culture there. And Utah is the only place in the Pac-12 where I think that the fan base can develop in that way. And I think they're well on its way and and i'm convinced this program and this fan base is a sleeping giant and it's going to be awesome over the next decade to see how things evolve and, and, and how people approach it. And it's up to all of us. You know, it's up to, to me as the guy that runs Ute Zone and, and Brian and my staff and, and, and you guys and what you're doing and, and collectively as a fan base, it's up to, to us to help grow that and encourage that. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to do some things and, you know, l- let's make it fun. Let's, let's enjoy this ride because man, you get six of these home games a year and then it's done. Right. And, you know, and, and the years they go by like that, the older that you get. And, you know, just, I, I'm just, I was, I mean, I'm totally rambling at this point, but my point is, yeah, you are, but that's okay. <laughs> my, my, my point is well done. You fans keep it up and let's bring everybody else along for the ride with us. Cause the, the team fun bandwagon is the way to go. Yeah. And also just to kind of echo that before the PAC 12 championship game, uh, you know, we talked with the Dog Pod podcast, and when we said that Utah sold their allotment, they were shocked because mm-hmm. they're like Husky fans aren't even close to selling their allotment. Yeah, it's like a four-hour drive. That. And then Utah did it again for the bowl game. Mm-hmm. So plus, I mean, their allotment plus. Yeah, yeah to, your, to your point, Dan, fans, yeah. fans showed up well, and and they embraced. And Utah's team. still kind of the the new guy in the Pac-12, right? And you you hear fans from other fan bases from the USC's, the Oregon's. Um, of the conference, they talk about the tailgating scene at Utah. They talk about just the atmosphere at the games. And then, and then you see how well this fan base is, is traveling, whether it's to the Pac-12 championship, whether it's to the bowl game itself. You know, this, this fan base, they love the Utes and they support the Utes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with what you said, Dan. I mean, there's, it really is a sleeping giant with the, the type of support that's here and the, and the, the fan base is still growing. It, it continues to grow, even though, uh, well, we won't get into expansion talk on this one. But, no, there's... I love a- how you guys all have these, like, sensitive issues for you <laughs> everyone, like, used car salesmen, stadium expansion, all that stuff. It's we been my favorite part. Gray uniforms. Like, I, I love oh. that I'm a part of, like, the, yeah, the inside Damn gray uniforms. Like, oh, <laughs> it's my favorite part. <laughs> Sorry, David. Sorry to interrupt your. No, no, no. no good. Know. I'm done. I'm done. But That's. I. I don't think there's anything 
you know, not a single thing wrong with anything that you've all said. It's it was the best part of the season. This was my first time where I wasn't playing or coaching football in well, I don't know how long, twenty years, maybe maybe more than that. Um, and what made it super special to me, I am more invested in football right now than I have been in a really long time. And then that's not even because like I have a job working for a football team now. It's it's because I love it so much more having met. I mean, it was a blast when I got to run into you guys after the Utah BYU game. And my dad got to meet you guys. And, and for him, like, now all of a sudden he gets this, like, this taste of what everything is. And, you know, like, it's a good thing he doesn't have a microphone because he take all the time from us. <laughs> you know, and, and he just – I bonded with my father through football and going through Utah football games from a very, very young age. And, and I have really strong memories of, you know, the Mike Fouts throwing Kevin Dyson. I was sitting on top of the press box with my buddies – because uh, his dad was, you know, some big honcho at the U, and they got us passes. And, and I think we're the only people that were like small enough to actually stand up there before the whole thing would collapse. But <laughs> this was back before the original expansion. I but, was at that game too. I was in the must before it was the must. But that was an awesome. <laughs> when it was game. the students that yes. you could show up ten minutes after the game started and get a great seat. That's yep. right. And and you know, there's all these fun memories that we have that that are starting to build into Utah football. And I think the key component to remember is that. We have as good of memories of the good times as we do of the bad times. And, and even the bad times that were like, I mean, we can talk about the, the, the game that must not be named in, what was it, 2010? TC. TCU game. Ah! Yeah, uh, Under Armour. Yeah. Cam- camo uniforms. Yeah. yeah, the reason why we never wear camouflage on the uniform <laughs> it, it, anymore. It's hilarious to me whenever I see that every once in a while you'll see the random guy that, that wears that. And yes. I don't blame him for wearing that. That was expensive to buy. Like, it was an investment. Yeah. And it's a cool jersey. But uh, like it's funny to see them wearing it around now and people like freaking out oh, yeah. when they see it. It makes it, me laugh every time. Yeah, there, there's certain things that stick out that just mm-hmm. that trigger people. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely we, one of them. We, one of our episodes this year talked about superstitions that Twitter, oh, yeah. Twitter fans have. <laughs> Day games, the November curse. The yes. all-white uniforms. <laughs> the all-white uniforms. That's the one that I'm... There's a number of them. I'm out to get that one for sure. But, you know, the good news is that we got rid of the curse of the OC, and we got rid of the November curse this year. So what do we have left? Like two? Two or three? Who knows? <laughs> Somebody out there is keeping track of them, I guarantee you. Cause we're, I've, I, we're, I, we're making work. Yeah. So, But, I mean, that's the fun part about it. When we can joke about it and have a good time, uh, even though things haven't always gone the youth's way, and that's the important part, right? And, and when Dan talks about team fun, it's we're not always going to win every game. Nobody does. Uh, it, it's as, as diehard as people in the SEC are. When they lose big games, do you know what they do afterwards? They poison trees. Well, well the, 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 the maladjusted <laughs> do that. What do, they, what, do they, what do they do before they poison the trees? <laughs> they get real wasted and go have a good time, and then they get too drunk and go poison trees. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, I, I mean, that's, you know, you go to a game in Baton Rouge, and it's, it's uh, mayhem. The atmosphere there is second to none. And they've won big games, and they've lost big games. And the reaction after every game is the same. They go out and have a good time afterwards to celebrate it because we only get so many games. And, you know, I'm excited for the Stallions in the spring because I need more football right now, but it's not going to be the same as Utah. And I know that. And and the only thing I, I hope it can do is I hope that the fan base gets a taste of it so that as we roll into the fall, people are even more jacked up for it. And we're even more excited and more invested in what Utah is and more more willing to commit to making this program really great because it's, it's, it's building so before we kind of go to um, looking into the 2019 and kind of carrying you know, what happened in 18 over there. So, Brian, you're working with the Salt Lake Stallions. Can you kind of give the listeners just kind of a what's up with 
with that team and, and if people are interested in, in getting tickets or checking them out, what, what can they do? Yeah, absolutely. So what it is, is the Alliance of American Football. It's a, it's a brand new league. Uh, we're kind of patterning ourselves as a developmental league for players that were either on NFL rosters or were good enough to be you know, in NFL training camps and whatnot that need a little bit more reps to get to their next step. And then we also have a few guys that are just not willing to be backups anymore in the NFL and they want to get their chance to play. Uh, Utah's going to meet a few of those guys. I think Kenny Bell and, and BJ Daniels are two that come to my mind immediately. Uh, when Utah fans and, and Utah's football fans, you know, statewide, not just specifically for the Utes, when they meet BJ and find out who he is, you guys are going to fall in love with him. He's amazing. He is, uh, personality wise, he's very similar to Donovan Mitchell where he cares so much about community and being invested in things like that. Uh, the reason it matters to him is because he wants to build a legacy of doing good things in a community somewhere that needs it and, and appreciates who he is and what he can do on the football field. Um, now he's in a heated quarterback battle right now with Josh Woodrum. who was a guy who, you know, was on a roster in, in Baltimore, got cut because they drafted Lamar Jackson and, and you know, he wants to go back to the NFL and get a, get a shot as well. So you have these kind of conflicting, you know, uh, not conflicting, but contrasting reasons for being, but everybody wants to be there to play more ball. And that's the big thing is that we get more football. It's, it's very professional. Uh, we're very well backed both in terms of leadership and in terms of being able to, uh, you know, spend money to, to make money down the road. Uh, we're, we have tremendous, uh, people involved in the organization. Uh, most of the people that are involved on my side of things in, in ticket sales and, and marketing and whatnot all have at least 20 years of professional sporting experience. Uh, you know, people came from Portland from the Trailblazers and from the Jazz. Uh, and from, you know, MLS teams to, to come be, come work for the Stallions. So there's a lot of, a lot of prestige with this organization. Randy Mueller was, who's the, the GM. He was the NFL 2000 executive of the year. People forget that, you know, but he was never like a super popular name and he worked for the Dolphins at the time. And you know, the Dolphins are notorious for just chewing up talent and spitting it out to the side of the road. So all that aside, what it is, is you're going to get an opportunity to watch some of your favorite Utah players. And, and get to meet guys that you haven't met before. There's the the Nebraska wide receiver crew. I think they're going to make some serious splashes in this market. Uh, Kenny Bell's one of them. Uh, Demorne Pearsonell is another one. Uh, when you see him play, you're going to see a lot of similarities. So I mean, it's going to be fun to watch Demorne line up next to Caitlin Clay in the slot with Trez Anderson on the outside, right? And then Anthony Denham on the opposite side. And, you know, you're going to see BJ Daniels or Josh Woodrum slinging out to one of them or hand off to Matt Asiata or any of the other guys. So these are names that you're going to see. Like I was telling you guys earlier that, you know, the defensive line with the Stallions has already adapted, you know, the Sack Lake City nature. And and the one thing that I will will always tell everyone is any time I've had an opportunity to talk to a player who is not from a Utah school that is coming here, the first thing that they say to me every single time is, man, I am so excited to be playing in front of Utah fans and not have them against me. <laughs> Without question, that's what they say every single time. And so it's, you know, it's an opportunity for us for, for us to get more football. Tickets are not expensive. It is $75 for a season ticket. Uh, you know, the North End Zone is, is actually filling up really quickly, and that's really cool to see that happen. Um, you know, obviously seats, as you get into the stadium, they get a little bit more expensive, but, uh, we do a ton of events, a lot of fan outreach, a lot of interaction. That is, that is our goal is to, is to get to know our fans as well as possible because, you know, um, how many of us really got to know Mount Asiata when he was at the U? 
I mean, you didn't get Probably to go not shake all that hand. well. Yeah. I mean, there weren't opportunities to go up and meet him. You know, Dan probably did because he saw him every day to practice. Uh, I played with Matt at some college, so I got to know him. I mean, he's an amazing guy. Fans are going to get that opportunity now because after games, they're going to want to talk to the players. The players are going to want to talk to them. You're going to get to go, you know, shake hands and take pictures and, and whatnot and do things like that. Um, and, and so we're going to build that relationship a lot deeper because we think that Salt Lake has this culture already established and we just want to add to that. Um, and we, and we want to just grow football. And that's the biggest thing. So if you're looking for tickets, saltlakestallions.com, uh, you can use my promo code on there. It is giddyup19, all one word. Uh, if you want to get a season, uh, season tickets, you can do it through that. If you get single game tickets, it'll, you can actually get those for, uh, uh, season ticket price. So it's about 25% cheaper. So that's something we'll do for your, sweet, for your listeners. Awesome. Or hit so. up Brian on, on Twitter. Yep. Brown Bear SLC. Holler at me on Twitter. You can email me, uh, Brian Brian with a Y at AAF.com. You know, call the number, whatever. Just, you know, like anything I can do to help you out. You know, I've, I've got lots of advantages if you go through me, but you know, one way or another, you're going to get taken care of. Uh, and it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's more stuff coming down the road, but, uh, you know, I think the best part about it is that we get to take what's best about Utah and showcase it in the spring. And that includes a lot of Utah players. That's awesome. I know my, so my, I have a five year old who just got into football this last season. And he's always wanting to go to Utah games, but obviously we only have two tickets, so right. it's my wife and I. So I'm going to take him to some Stallion games uh, to go that route. So really looking forward to that season. When, when does the uh, season kick off? February 10th is going to be our first game. The first game for the Alliance is going to be February 9th. It's the week after the Super Bowl. And the first home game is February 23rd. Also, good news, Utah fans. The games are in the afternoon. <laughs> so outside of the last two, which are going to be six o'clock kicks, every game will be a one or two o'clock kick locally. So, Larry, are you paying attention, Larry? <laughs> Larry, yeah. well, how about that? We got all the game times at least a month before the season started. So. <laughs> nice. Well, and, and and if I can just throw in, and, and I'm not affiliated with the Stallions in any way right now, but that, you know, I've had the opportunity to to meet. You know the, the president of the team and 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 the GM and of course Coach Erickson. You know we we know from from his time at Utah and uh, you know Brian worked for the Stallions. Michelle Bodkin worked for the Stallions and she's really the she's really the straw that stirs the drink and and for the Stallions and gets a lot of things done. Uh, you know I've I've met a lot of their executives and I was skeptical at first of, of the whole alliance and you know th- my first thought was xfl it is not this is not the arena league this is not the xfl this is real football i've had a chance to talk to players i am 100 percent bought into this and you know ute zone as an organization is buying season tickets um in fact if you're a ute zone subscriber i may even give you some seats so uh or to, to individual games you know we'll we'll, we'll we'll look at that um I think I might have just made a promise there. <laughs> but, uh, I think but, I know a guy who can help you back out that promise too. <laughs> but, but but anyway, my, my point is is this: it's going to be real football. It's going to be really cool. And and, and I I'm all about pro sports. Like if you love Real Salt Lake and you love football, there is no reason that you should not support the Stallions team because it's kind of the same concept and it's 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 kind of the same thing. And and it's something that I think within a few years could be really, really special. And, you know, if you want more pro sports in Utah, if you want more uh, color in that sporting landscape in the state of Utah, you have to support stuff like this. You don't have a right to complain about not having it if you don't support stuff when it comes your way. And this is something that I really feel strongly is going to be worth supporting. Yeah. And if you want us to change our uniform colors, then you need to come to games and tell us. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. Love it. So. All right. So Utah going into 2019, 
big news. I, everyone already knows. The highly talented juniors that could declare are coming back. Bradley and I, Julian Blackman, Lucky Fotu, and of course, Zach Moss. But we, I mean, Utah is losing some guys. Jack Tuttle, Siosi Mariner, Chris Hart, and even Donovan Thompson uh, put his name in the in the portal today. There, there will be more. Yeah. There, there will be three, maybe four more. I know their names. So I know most of the people that are going to transfer. I tend to give them the courtesy of announcing it on their own terms. And that's not very reporterly of me, but I don't need to be first. I don't care. I don't need to be a Twitter celebrity. I don't care. I think it's more about the kid and their career and their decision. Um, you know, Donovan Thompson started a couple of games. He's been a career backup. It makes sense. He's a great kid, and he's going to have an opportunity to play probably at a Mountain West level school uh, and, and start. You know, this is Francis Bernard's linebacker squad next year, mm-hmm. and and you know, especially with the fact that Utah plays so much nickel, uh, with with uh, you know, he, he, his reps were going to be diminished. Like all of these guys, you know, uh, and, and we've seen. You know, he hasn't announced it, uh, but you know, we've seen the name Caleb Rep thrown around Twitter. You know, that's a guy that we expect to leave, and th- there will be a few more. Um, but just, I mean, COC Mariner is a guy that's already announced that he's leaving. And, and we talked early on about how great he was in fall camp and he, he, for me might end up going down as one of the best, what might've been guys in history, but what COC needs is he needs an opportunity to go play and he needs an opportunity for a fresh start. I think he's, yeah. he's had a rough journey here, not in terms of like things that going, you know, being treated poorly or anything like that, but he's just, he's gone through a lot, you know, in, both in his life. Uh, at home and, and, and everything like that, and then on the field with injuries and whatnot. And so I think, you know, I think for him it's a good chance. We, we tend to look at this stuff and and, and want to think that it's a negative, right? I, I don't say we want to, but we tend to think of it as, you know, it's a bad thing when guys leave. But look what happened for Jordan Fogel going to Colorado oh, yeah. State. Mm-hmm. And that was a great opportunity for him. And, and on top of that, like every single one of these guys that has announced and pretty much everybody that will announce the, to my knowledge, and, and, and we'll probably see another round after spring that'll mm-hmm. be, you know, some underclassmen and, and that might bum some people out too. We'll see. But uh, the, the guys that we're seeing announced now, they're all they all have their degrees. So they're all leaving as graduate transfers. So, you know, they fulfilled their commitment to Utah football. Utah football fulfilled their commitment to them, to their credit. They worked really hard, especially in the summer. They were still student athletes in the summer, which is why they were able to graduate before their, their eligibility ran out. And they're able to go out and find opportunities at new programs and not have to sit. And they've got that University of Utah degree that they can hang on the wall and they'll, they'll for, forever be you boys and part of the program. And, th- and that's how it should be. And that's something I think that the Utah program really works hard to get them, you know, to that point. So that if there's, if there's an opportunity for them to transfer somewhere and play, you know, I, I genuinely believe that this staff supports that. And, and, you know, I know for a fact that they do. And I'll never fault a kid for leaving. Um, I mean, it's their life. It's their career. Sure. What, you know, yep. best wishes to them. But the guys that are coming back, I mean, obviously Zach Moss, a, a huge impact, uh, a feature player on the offense. But the other guys, uh, you know, Bradley and I, Blackman, Fotu, how big was it for them to come back for senior year, does everyone think? I, I think it's big. From the standpoint that they all said the same thing, they have unfinished business. They're they're a team. They're a family. They they're in this together, and they they want to go win this. And that to me, that's huge. Well, and you look at the production that's coming back from those guys, which is enormous. But but those those are leaders. Those are the leaders of this team, and are going to be the leaders moving forward. And uh, I. For what Utah wants to accomplish next year, it's huge to have those guys back. 
And I, I think it means, I think it, I think it shows a lot about the type of program that Utah runs and the Kyle Wooding, the culture that he's, that he's created, that these guys want to be here. They've, they've got opportunities to go make some money, but they, they want another run with their boys. And, uh, I think, I think that speaks volumes for just the culture and the, the program as a whole. I want to throw something out there that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't think about. So we just got done talking about graduate transfers and these guys that have worked hard so that they can put themselves in a position to to play somewhere else. Well, you look at these guys coming back for their senior years and they're pretty well near, they're pretty well near graduation now, too. So the nice thing is that you get these guys that are gunning for the NFL they have their degree in hand before the season starts, which means that during the season, you know, they're taking bowling classes and, and, and <laughs> hey, stuff like that. I took bowling at the U. And, hey, there's nothing wrong with taking bowling from the U. Pottery. But, but, but your homework load, I, I would suspect, oh, yeah. was not very heavy. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and we saw that, like, well, Matt Liner, you know, during during his last year at USC was kind of the same way, right? He'd already graduated, and so he took the easiest schedule possible so he could focus on getting his body ready for the NFL and getting himself ready for his senior year so they can go gun for that. And so, you know, when, when you look at these guys, so, you know, Bradley and I, and I knew that he, you know, and, and I knew that he needed another year, and he knew that he needs to put up some numbers. Lecky Foto has put himself in a, in a good position. It's a really strong year this year for D tackles in the NFL draft. You know, Leckie's coming back as a uh, first-team all-conference guy. There's going to be some buzz in his name. And he's got a couple of things that he needs to work on in terms of technique, in terms of motor, in terms of, of those sorts of things. That, so so he's going to be able to sit down with, with, with Morgan Scally and, and, and with, with um, Coach, uh, Coach Powell and, and Coach Pouha and, and, and work on, and, and once again, a guy that knows what it takes to be successful in the NFL, especially as a D tackle. You know, sit down with Coach Pouha and the things that he needs to work on. Uh, you know, Julian Blackman, the same thing. And, and really, you know, when you look at the Utah defense and, and the, the Strength is probably the cornerbacks and the D line. Uh, the weakness is probably the safeties. Lo and behold, Julian Blackman can play free safety. Mm. If Utah doesn't find the free safety somewhere else, Julian's going to be that guy yeah. uh, to get the best eleven on the field. And so, and once again, giving him and I think he'll be really good there. He's going to give himself a, a chance to make some money and make some plays, and especially if he's healthy because he played hurt all year this year too. And you know, people were bagging on Julian. Well, you know, why can't you be like Jalen? Well, you know, he was he was three quarters Julian is what he was this year and so you know once again try the team fun approach don't bag on the guys because you don't know what's going on because kyle whittingham doesn't talk about injuries yeah you know? bag on whittingham, whittingham for that one. yeah exactly i used to give whittingham a passport and now i'm really frustrated because people are always bugging me about what what's going on with the injuries i'm like i don't know he doesn't tell anybody <laughs> but you know to, to kind of echo what dan said is that every single one of those guys that we mentioned was I mean, none of them were consistent this year right Bradley and I towards the end came on really strongly. Uh, you know, Lecky had his, his moments here and there. Uh, Julian had some good bounce back moments to his bad ones. You know, and then he did have some standout bad ones and some standout good ones too. Uh, on top of the fact that he played, you know, is injured, but none of those guys were consistently you know, great. And, and, and we saw flashes still, but that's not something that just gets better when you go to the next level. You have to learn how to be consistent every single day. And, and you have to do it here first so that you can take it on to your next step. And so I, I think it speaks a lot to not only the culture that Kyle Whittingham has created to where they feel comfortable coming back here uh, and, and want to come back here and, and take care of business with their, with their brothers and whatnot, but it also speaks very, very highly to the development and, and the plan that Utah has for these guys and how 
how much those guys buy into that and they know that it's it matters. When you talk about that buy in, we I think we saw that when you talk about Chase Hansen and Cody Barton. They they brought it every week, every play. Yeah, and Cody's killing it right now at whatever at Shrine Bowl or whatever it is. I mean, he, you can catch it on the regular. There, there are tweets about him and how impressive he is, and you know how much how he's bigger than he looks and and, and whatnot. And I think a lot of that kind of stuff is that he and he and Chase developed such a great chemistry, and it allowed Cody to be who Cody is. Well, and isn't that interesting? I mean, Cody was not some heralded recruit, um, and he struggled early, and he got a lot of grief early. And and you look at the path that he's that he's been on, and to what he's built himself into. I mean, you got to step back and just look at how cool that is. A guy that, you know, just made himself into what he is now. And, I mean, kudos to the coaches, but obviously, you know, it, it takes a really special person to just not give up and just keep fighting and grinding to the point where they, they turn themselves into a type of player that can play at that next level. Because, mm-hmm. Honestly, early on, who would have thought he would have turned into that? Nobody. Nobody. I think, like, you know, the one thing that you remembered from Cody was he made the tackle on Taysom Hill, and then the rest of it was, you know, according to the narrative, garbage, right? Yeah. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. And and you had a few people here and there. I remember John P. saying, like, he's going to get it. He's going to get it. Just stay patient. He's going to get it. And nobody really saw it. And then we saw it kind of start to emerge in spring, and then it just really Colorado game. So not this last one, but the year prior. It was the, the Colorado game. Co- Barton and Anai and Zach Moss won that game. Utah yeah. does not go bowling against West Virginia without those three guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and and co- the, the, the light bulb really went off. And then he came out in the bowl game against West Virginia. He was lights out. And then, it was, so we knew, like, so we were, and we, that was what we were talking about on Ute Zone that whole time. We knew that, that Cody's going to be good as a senior. And people, oh, you know, people weren't so sure. He comes out in, in the spring football. They move Chase Hansen to linebacker, and who's showing Chase all the all the details of how to play linebacker? Cody. You know he was he was uh, you know Chase gets the credit for being the leader of that group, but Cody was lockstep with Chase, uh, and, and 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 in some ways took more of a leadership role than Chase did, and just what an outstanding story in the, in the way that he turned things around, and there was a lot of stuff that was going on in his personal life that you know he got that stuff resolved and and came out and 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 turned himself into one heck of a football player and 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 really and, and a great story altogether just because of of what that entire family has meant to the Utah athletic program. And there's one more on the way, hopefully. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. He, although he says that he doesn't want to be a Ute, but we all he know should. that, uh, you know. There's somebody in that household. That, <laughs> that bond final, is too strong. <laughs> no, that, there's someone in that house that has final word, yeah, and, and ma- nobody's going to argue with her. Yeah, ma- ma- Mama is a smart lady, and she's a, an opinionated lady, and, and we know how her opinions stand. So we can't talk about uh, 2019 without addressing the most popular uh, position group, the quarterback situation, um, as well as recruiting in, in 19. Uh, but with the quarterbacks, with, with Tuttle leaving, Huntley coming back from an injury, Shelley really said it, won the Pac-12 uh, South for, for Utah, and then Drew Lisk. Do you guys have concerns going into the season with what's in the cupboard there at quarterback? Does Utah need to really target a quarterback this recruiting cycle? I know Cameron Rising... The transfer from Texas, it was he was in this past weekend. Maybe that's a possibility. Who knows? But is there an area of concern with the quarterbacks? Not necessarily their play, but just the cupboard. For me, next season, no. Beyond next season, yes. I, mean, I think they need to get somebody 
in the stable for beyond, but I think next season, if you've got Hundley and Shelley, I think you're going to be fine. I mean, de- obviously, just depth and number of guys. You need you need more than two guys. I mean, Drew Lisk is there, but uh, you're, you're going to need to build that up. But if you look at experience, having having uh, obviously Huntley coming back, and he has yet to be able to play a full season, so you almost have to expect that uh, that Shelley's going to get an opportunity next year. Um, but this season, the the experience that Shelley got is invaluable. So having two guys with Pac-12 experience winning winning big games in the Pac-12 is is enormous. My biggest question is is can can Tyler Huntley? And no, you know, we won't find this out till next year. But can he stay healthy through an entire Pac-12 season, being the guy? It's a good thing Rich Rod's not here to your wish, or he would have been down game one. Rich Rod does <laughs> like to run his quarterbacks, and he puts them in harm's way a lot, but. You know, that was, that's the risk we would have been willing to take. <laughs> we just need Tyler to learn to get tackled uh, like properly when he's outside the pocket and not when he's running. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you, and, and if I can relate an, an Andy Ludwig story from the first time that he was here, you know, Utah faced a, a similar problem in, in 2008 in, in Brian Johnson, who was an oft-injured quarterback. And uh, no. uh, uh, I, I seem to recall a story uh, or hearing a story that uh, when when Brian was running the offense, Ludwig just told him, you know, pitch the damn ball, like pitch. It, it doesn't matter what you see, pitch the damn ball, like get rid of it. You're not taking the hit uh, in 2008. Well, you know, once again, Ludwig, smart guy, and he sees that situation. So if he thinks Tyler's his guy and Tyler's going to take them to the promised land, he is not going to put Tyler in harm's way. Now. You know, two of Tyler's injuries, you know, the one against Arizona when he was a sophomore and then, of course, the one against Arizona State this last year were, were you know, not him going out and taking a hit. It was a pass rush that was coming from behind and, and, and tackled from behind and landing awkwardly and, and that sort of thing. So you can't always prevent that, but, you know, it's something that the coaching staff is going to be mindful of and and you can't put it in you, – you can't – you know, completely shackle him down because that eliminates his ability to freelance and that's where he's at his best. But, you know, they're going to be really mindful of, of the types of hits and how often he's taking a hit. And, and, and they're going to try this as best they can to scheme it so that they can keep him around for as long as possible. I think he's going to be a lot more dedicated, including in, in the, this offseason, to making sure he gains the weight now, too. Because I think... I think he found out this season what his game is, and they finally stopped telling him to slide and do all that and just let him get tackled. And I think he, he realized through the course of that that he's got he's to have a little bit more load behind him if he's going to do that. And, you know, whatever, whatever Coach Ludwig decides going forward, I think Tyler's going to be a lot more on board of, on, for it having gone through two now season-ending injuries. And if he's got pro football aspirations, he needs to A, stay healthy, and yeah. B, put up big numbers. And whether that's the NFL or the Alliance or whatever, whatever. you know, it, it, he's... He, he's got to bring it and he's got to get himself ready and both his body and his mind right. Yeah. And, and if he can't do that or is unwilling to do that, then he shouldn't be the guy anyway. Right. And, then, and if that's the case, then, I mean, you've got your answer, so which is good. But that, I mean, that goes back to the question of is the covered bear. I, I, I do like a lot of what Jason Shelley brings to the table. I don't know if I really want him to start an entire season for Utah. I just don't know. He, it ended on such a bad note that I think it took away a lot of my. Um, you but know, a lot just, of that wasn't his fault. Like, no, it wasn't. And the, it was a lot of it was just like once things started to go bad, like the team yeah. just melted. 
Yeah. The, yeah. The, the one awesome. pick was on him. The first pick of that second half was on him because he didn't read the linebacker, didn't see him drop back yeah. into coverage. That and the fumble. You know, those were the two well, yeah, the, were his uh, big mistakes. Yeah. He didn't get rid of it on the RPO. That's true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just don't know. You know, he, he made some good progress. And I think we saw, especially at the first start of that, of the Holiday Bowl, where he was just comfortable. He was making great throws and the offense was clicking and you could kind of see him. He, his style is so different from Tyler's. And so it's, it's very welcome, but he still needs to be a lot more accurate passer. Uh, you know, he needs to get, uh, more comfortable with his decision-making. He needs to make those reads quicker. He needs to recognize all that stuff quicker. And I think a lot of that will be solved in spring ball. And we'll actually kind of get to see if he really has made the progress that I think he has. And if he has, great. You know, if if that's the case, then I think, yeah, he could be the starter for the next year. And Utah could be really successful. Um, but, you know, we the, the question being open like that, you know, they got to go find something now, right? They got to go get a grad transfer, or if it's a recruit that you think could step in and, and possibly be that third guy. Because if you do, you know, if Jason does win out the job, which it's going to be an open competition, it just is. That's always how it is. That's the Whittingham way. Nobody's ever going to have a guaranteed job, uh, even at the quarterback position. And, and Tyler's going to have to earn it. I hope he does. I think he will. But if Jason does, by some stroke, beat him out, you've got to have another guy ready to go because I think Tyler will transfer. And, and this is blatant speculation, by the way. Nothing of this is like this is coming from fan a place, fiction. Yes. Coming from a place of knowledge. And when you when you look at you know you were you were talking about the cupboard cupboard being bare. And when when you look at uh, the things from a recruiting standpoint, and um, I happen to know a couple of things in terms of recruiting. Uh, <laughs> go 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 figure, right? You uh, don't say. Yeah, I, since I've been doing this longer than anybody on the planet uh, for at least for Utah football. Um, you're going to see a couple interesting things happening. So we, we saw Cameron Rising, the, the, the transfer from Texas visit. And, um, of course, uh, for a while, you know, Utah was trying to keep that secret. It, it got out there for a couple of different reasons. Um, uh, the whatever. But um, so, so we saw that, and, and Utah is going to be pursuing him. Uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to see something different moving forward. I, I really do think that Utah is going to treat their quarterback recruiting uh, through signing day until they announce whoever's coming in like a state secret. Like you thought it was hard getting information about coaching search stuff, and believe me, it's hard getting information about the coaching searches. Uh, it's Utah is the most difficult program in the entire country to cover coaching searches because of how Whittingham treats things and, and how he deals with leaks and not wanting to put your sources within the program in danger of you know potentially leaking and, and getting because he will fire people for leaking and so you know you, you when you're covering things as a reporter it's really tough to, to get those names and they usually come from outside of the program as opposed to inside I think we're going to see that with Utah they're going to be really secretive in terms of, of who they're approaching yes they're looking at quarterbacks they're looking at high school quarterbacks uh, the, the there's not a lot out there this was an especially down year for high school quarterbacks quarterbacks it's one of the reasons why they only focused on Jaden Daniels and when they didn't get him they didn't really have any other guys offered because they didn't really like a lot of the prospects that were out there but uh, on top of that you know they're going to hit that transfer market really hard and they're going to be really quiet about who they're bringing in from a potential transfer standpoint uh, because they're going to bring in the best quarterback they possibly can to help them win and so it's going to be really interesting to see who they get they will I have no doubt that they will get a transfer um, no doubt whatsoever <laughs> who that transfer is going to be is 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 a really good question. Do you think by end of February that they bring in two more? Wh- so, whether it's whether it's a, a high school 
a high school player and a transfer or whatever combination? I would not be surprised if that happened at all. In fact, that's kind of what I'm half expecting is I'm expecting a transfer to come in uh, and a high school guy. So, uh, um, oh, dear. I The name just poof in my head. Who's the American Fork kid? Boone Abbott. Boone Abbott. Boone Abbott. So Boone Abbott's a guy that's been floating around on our boards. He does not have a Utah offer yet. Um, I know Utah's looking hard at him. I would not be surprised if Utah brought in a Boone Abbott or a Boone Abbott type, a guy that's maybe uh, perceived as a little bit of a project guy uh, out of high school, uh, but that's got a high ceiling and they think that they can work with and develop. Um, and then bring in additional in addition to that you know one more uh, transfer quarterback and and you know and I, and I think that you know I personally think that they're even going to be looking at graduate transfers you know and if and, and preferably like a guy like the, the kid that's transferring from Oklahoma that's got two years uh, you know that uh, you know so if he doesn't win the job he can be the starter next year presumably but uh, but they're going to bring in the best guy they can and if they bring in a graduate transfer to push Tyler Huntley then good and if, if that happens then Tyler's you know, hopefully Tyler has that attitude. Is all right, game on. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be do the same thing that Jason Shelley did to Jack Tuttle last year. Like I don't care how many stars you have, I'm gonna beat you down, and he did. You know, and and so, but I, I do think that I do think that there's a good chance that they bring in a couple of guys. Um, and uh, and I think that uh, especially if they're able to get a guy like like Rising, where you know he'd basically be the same class as Tuttle, and he's a guy that is going to have to sit a year anyway. You know, it's going to amp up the competition next year when Tyler Huntley leaves, and it's also going to give them a chance to bring in a developmental guy and and see if they can develop him and and see what he does. Uh, you know, as Andy Ludwig is working with him, so we're going to see that. And on top of that, you know, people may you know stress out a little bit about the cupboard being bare, but you know, keep in mind that, you know, the, the graduate transfer market's a thing now, you know, and it's, there, there's an awful the lot portal. of the, 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 the por- portal. The portal. Is, when I think you called it the free agency of it, college it, football. It, it, is, it is absolutely free agency in, in college football. And we're going to see a dozen, a dozen guys this year that transfer for graduate transfers to, to play out their final year of college football for another program. And we've been seeing a lot of that. You know, Gardner Minshew was, was a prime example at Washington State. And, you know, Washington State was supposed to be miserable, but Minshew was the difference maker. And had they not had Minshew, they would have been screwed. And there, there's, there's no reason to believe that even after Huntley leaves, that Utah can't go out and get a guy just like that next year. Yeah, and on top of that, Gardner was not a name that was being thrown around nationally as somebody that you should go No, he was coming from after. East Carolina, yeah. and, and you know people thought it was, oh, he's a backup type, you know, and, and he blossomed under lead. So you find the right guy, you find the right fit, and a guy that's going to have an opportunity and be able to blossom, and, and you can see some good things. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that Utah's unconcerned with it, uh, because they are concerned and, and they're active, but they're actively working on it and they've got a plan and they've got their board and they're going to go out and get it. And because of the way that the transfer situation is now, um, I think the margin for error is a little less razor thin because if, you know, yeah, even with Tuttle leaving and, and, and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, there's still opportunity to go out and get quality quarterbacks on the transfer market. And we're going to see that moving forward. Just like, once again, the nature of the entire game of college football and how you put together a roster and how you recruit is fundamentally being changed. And we're seeing that change happen in real time. And it's going to be really interesting to see how programs uh, react to it and, and, and how they're able to adjust. So you guys, obviously, Ute Zone, you bring it up. The best recruiting site out there. 
we talked about the quarterback concerns. What other concerns are there going into into the signing for February? Where do we think that the coaching staff is putting their efforts in right now? Sit on three, one, two, three, offensive yep. line. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. it it's, it's blatantly obvious, and, and I think you're seeing – uh, from the guys that are transferring out of the program now that they have spots open. And, and that was how they recruited. It was, you know, that there are guys, uh, you know, I, I think there may be a name or two that hasn't announced yet that may be coming from the offensive line. Correct. Uh, and, and you may see, you know, med- medical retirement. That's a speculation. I have not Maybe. heard anything about that. And if, if that doesn't happen, I will be doing backflips because yeah. I'll be excited about what the possibility for yeah. that one Because that means that, you know, this – he or she, we'll just go ahead and say that. Uh, oh, I hope it's a she. <laughs> he or she might really be, you know, like healthy and able to compete and, and whatnot. And, and that would be great. And they them. will play and they will start if yes. that's the case. Yep. 100%. And that's really good. So it, it, regardless of what happens, there are positions and there are slots that they need to fill there. Because the guys that they did bring in, while there is a lot of upside with them, there's not a lot of experience level. You know, I think the one that I can say with confidence that they kind of need to get at, you know, like, Put every effort you can is is Bamadeli Olaseni, Bam Olaseni, mm-hmm. and four star guy out of uh, Garden, Garden City. City Community College, mm-hmm. JUCO All American. Uh, he was a right tackle at Garden City. His left tackle is LeColby Tucker, who is uh, coincidentally uh, committed to Utah right now, yeah. unsigned because he was a May graduate, and the JUCO the JUCO May graduates were not eligible to sign in December. Um, Bam is a guy that uh, a lot of Big time programs in America are after he's uh, Auburn's after him, Texas is after him in a big way. Um, I think that there's a really good chance he's a Ute. I do too. He's he's not American. He's from London, England, and and I think when he came out here to Utah, there was a lot of familiarity with how Salt Lake City is as a city to what he experienced when he was in London. That kind of sounds weird to say that because I've never been to London, but I've seen movies. And it didn't feel like there would be a lot of relatability, <laughs> but Bam found that here, and that's good news. I mean, he told us that. That's yeah. that's not coming from us. Yeah, that's no, coming from him. Finding the article, Steve wrote it, and and uh, no, Kara <laughs> wrote, wrote it. My Kara bad. It. But you Sorry, know, Kara. Bam is a giant human being. He's six foot eight. Uh, I remember when he was on his official visit. Uh, I think he visited during the Washington game, if I remember correctly. But uh, um, uh, it was Friday night game, uh, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, yeah, it was Arizona. Yeah. But uh, he was. I I just looking and Colby is six seven. Uh, or maybe he's six, six nine. nine. He's six nine. But I remember looking at those two guys like, holy crap! You couldn't miss him on the oh, side. Oh yeah, no. I, I remember seeing the picture of those guys next to Whittingham, and they tower. They right? made Whittingham look. They tiny. make Jim Harding look small, and Jim Harding's not a small man. <laughs> yeah, Jim Harding. Like when I'm standing next to all you guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but no, I, I think it's just a position of need. If you can get banned, that's great. If you can't, now you really got to go hit the transfer market hard. Yeah. So you've got to hope that you. Oh, right and now, they're and they're looking at that transfer market yeah. hard. And there's there's a couple of guys on my radar. There's a guy that's transferring from Michigan. I and I forget names. I uh, uh, but there's a guy that's transferring from Michigan that I'm really curious to see what he does. He was a part time starter. I lost his job like midway through the season last year, but uh, uh, but he has started in the Big Ten for Michigan. So he's a guy that I think that would be interesting if they're able to bring him in. Uh, there's a guy that started 25 games for Tennessee uh, that's going to transfer. And then once again, neither of these guys have expressed any interest whatsoever in Utah. They're just guys that I'm paying attention to. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of graduate transfer offensive linemen that, you know, could come in and make an immediate impact. And it would be great if they could go out and land those guys. And they're going to shoot their shot and make their pitch uh, to these guys. Uh, but, you know, so I think that regardless of whether they get BAM or not, I think that they're going to go after that transfer market and try to upgrade. one. And once again, 
they know that if they fill a couple of holes, that they're going to be the front runners for the Pac-12 title. So why not go after a guy like this guy that's transferring from Tennessee and and say, look, you know, this is a situation, and you're going to, you know, and oh, you're going to play for this guy that's put all these guys in the NFL and and blah blah blah, you know. But you know, so O line is a big thing. Um, safety, the same the same thing. Defensive back, you know. So we, we there's the two high school guys that are really on our radar. Uh, the two kids out of North Shore High School in Houston, Texas. Um, Keon Stewart and uh, oh boy no. Hewitt Dorian Hewitt yeah. um, so and Dorian Hewitt was committed to Syracuse he just decommitted uh, these two guys want to play together I think that there's a great chance both of them commit and that's good because um, you know and people are like well why didn't they go out and get a Juco guy well their top Juco guy went somewhere else and there's not really a lot of guys on the market that they feel are, are strong contenders to start so go out and get the two best high school guys that you can develop them in the program if they're good enough to play like a Marcus Williams was then great that's a bonus, right? But otherwise, if you can get them on the field, you know, for four games uh, and keep their red shirt or get them on the game for 12 games and they're playing a little bit of defense and some special teams and getting them reps so that they're ready for the next year, you've got Julian Blackman. But at the same time, once again, transfer market, right? And there are going to be graduate transfers. You know, Akili Ross from USC is transferring and, and he's graduated. And so he's a guy that could come in and, and be a potential starter. And, and, you know, and, and I've got a, Strong suspicion that he's at least looking at Utah. Now, whether that's a, a likely landing spot, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are some other guys that are, that are on the radar in terms of grad transfers. Then uh, there's one that's on my radar that's actually not even in the portal yet, but we've heard that there's a strong chance that he transfers. And if he does, he would be a day one starter at Utah, and that would be a really cool thing to see. So, you know, we'll see. And if they don't add anybody, they've still got guys that they can, you know, it's, once again, it's a developmental program. They got guys that they believe can step up. Can do some good things, and 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 so we're going to see it. But 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 yeah. safety and defensive back and offensive line are really what what we're looking at in terms of the biggest needs to fill. And then of course linebacker, uh, you know, because they're losing the two linebackers. And I don't think they necessarily need guys that can play immediately there. Uh, they're just looking for guys that, that they can help build the future on. And so you know, Lalani Longi is a guy that uh, has said he's he's made his decision. Uh, hashtag no interviews and. Um, yeah, but you know we feel very strongly he's got a great shot at being a Ute uh, as as part of the Bingham Three, and then of of course uh, uh, Dylan Jordan, who is a guy out of Kansas that just visited last weekend, and he might be my favorite linebacker prospect in the entire country, including all of the four-star guys. Dylan Jordan is a guy that ran like a 10.8 or a 10.9 100-meter dash. So that translates to a real legit 4440. <laughs> you know, anything under 10, 11 seconds in the 100 is absolutely flying. And, and he's 6'3", 215. Needs to bulk up a little bit. Utah wants him at linebacker, but he's a guy that can fly around. Will he play immediately next year if, if, uh, if he signs with Utah? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a lot of, in a lot of it, that's going to be up to him. Uh, but you know, it's he's a guy that I am really bullish on. So if Utah can land Jordan and Lilani Longi, then it doesn't really matter what anybody else does. They filled their spots and then they're good to go, and they're both pretty damn good players. So you know, those are the three big needs. Uh, they've basically filled the other needs other than quarterback, which we've talked about ad nauseum. And I mean, there are players out there that obviously, if they get a commitment from, they're going to add them to the team, like Puka Nakua. Uh, but they're not necessarily filling needs in that respect. Yeah, Puka's so. Puka's great. I would. I, mm-hmm. it, it would be, He's the best wide receiver yeah. in the country, in my opinion. I've not seen anybody higher ceiling, maybe you know, but I've not seen anybody who has the skill set that he does. He's proving it right now in in at the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii, Steve. 
said that there's not a single guy on the team that can cover him. He's just blowing past everybody. Yeah, Four-star guys. Yeah. And he did the same thing at the All-American, the Under Armour All-American game last right. year. He's the best high school wide receiver I've ever seen. There's Jordan Wilmore, the four-star kid that just decommitted from USC. Yeah. And it's going to be a Utah-UCLA fight for that one. And it's it, I really, it's a, it's a matter of do you want to go play for a, a program like Utah that's blue-collar and is going to turn you into an NFL guy, or do you want to stay home um, and, and play for Chip Kelly? You know, and uh, and and yeah, and yes, and yes, I'm talking about Chip Kelly just like that. <laughs> Whatever, Chip Kelly. But we don't know what Chip's going to do at UCLA. Like we, he doesn't have the backing that he had at Oregon. Like he doesn't have the the surprise system that everybody loved early on. Yeah. I mean, everybody's adapted forms of tempo and 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 whatnot, and he's not bringing in anything new these days. I didn't see anything out of his offense that was super, you know. Spectacular. Other than the look. fact that they finally got an offensive line at UCLA yeah. to play competently yeah, for the first the, time in probably almost twenty years. <laughs> and Joshua Kelly's back on uh, running back, and he had a pretty decent year. I, I've seen some really crazy fans from UCLA claim that he was the best running back in the Pac-12, and I just think, man, it's great that California legalized marijuana for those folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. I just, you know, we just don't know. And, and that's, you know, that's the advantage that Utah has is they're a known quantity right now. And so as they're closing on a lot of those guys, it's, that's going to be the, the pitch. And, you know, you see the, uh, uh, the, the whirlwind going on at, at USC and that's having an impact in what Utah's staying to, uh, Puka Nakua, you know, Washington all of a sudden is trying to make a late push. Uh, I don't think they're going to get very far with him. Washington or Oregon? Washington. Or yeah. Oregon's pushing for him, yeah, too. Oregon but I don't, is I don't, too, but I, 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 they're just too late in the game, you know, well, and that's the problem. So in regards to Puka, with, with Samson being on the team, what, just your opinion, obviously, what are the odds he makes that uh, decommit from USC and, and comes to Utah? 50-50. I, I really do. Th- I, I, I think it's a coin flip right now. Uh, I, and I think the interesting part about it is that we all started hearing that he was rethinking his decision right after Utah just trounced USC. But we all heard it from different areas. So I'd heard it through like some of my high school coaching friends. Dan had heard it through some of his contacts. Steve had heard it through some of his. And we'd all heard it immediately. And I think the fact that, that it happened that early on and things have been consistently in the good direction for Utah, I think it really did level the playing field. And so I think, you know, there's a, there's a few things there. He has a great relationship with Coach Helton. Uh, so does his mother. They both really love Clay Helton and, and understandably so because he's a great man. He's, Really struggled as a coach, I think, in in some respects. And he's not long for USC. No, but, and, I, and I think that Puka knows that, I, I, especially with how the, the the offensive coordinator search and position has been bungled, and yeah. and, and and really, and, and and you know, and talking about that, and you're t- even I'm going to totally just take a, a big uh, a big right turn here, but you know, I that is going to be really. It's going to have a huge impact for yeah. a long time, and, and and some to Utah's benefit. And we see that with Wilmore, we see that with Puka, but you know, you may even see it with you know, I'm, I'm looking at Jack Sears on that on that roster, and Jack can play. We saw that in the Arizona State game, and if he is not given a shot by this next offensive coordinator because they love JT Daniels or they love the other Matter Day kid that's just committed, I forget his name, um, you know. We could see a, you know, Jack Sears is almost graduated. Mm-hmm. We could see a, 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 a three to play two or a, a two to play two Jack Sears come into the Utah program as well. And, and, um, 
Now, I'm not promising that, but I'm saying that like that's that is a a real possibility, and and that instability at USC and the fact that Clay Helton, you know, if if Clay Helton goes six and six or even maybe seven and five next year, like he's gone. The 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 the, the boosters are and and Lynn Swan maybe you know packing his bags as well. He would have been gone this year, but there's just so much instability at the top uh, at USC. There, I mean, the president situation there is just an absolute disaster. Yeah, the, 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 there's there's a lot of issues just at at, at the school altogether, but you know, and and, and another thought on on Puka as I'm jumping around here, you know, I, I remember back in the summer, you know, Puka was tweeting about something, and Samson tweeted about, you know, go get all the big time stuff you can, and and, and people came down hard on Samson, and, and I guarantee you, the Utah coaches were like, you idiot, and what are you thinking, right? But and, and obviously, it wasn't what he meant. It's, it's yeah. not he was not trying to discount where he was at. He was just saying like, I love my brother, and my brother's the best in the country. That's what he was trying to say. Uh, you know, and, and he, I think he did a poor job. He needed a PR Sam, guy yeah, Samson <laughs> to help him message it. But I will say this, and, and Utah fans that may have uh, been hammering on him, there is nobody uh, on the Utah staff or anywhere else that is recruiting Puka Nakua harder than Samson is. And the, the, the fact that the only reason that Puka is really thinking about Utah is because the I, the prospect of playing with Samson together for a couple of years is very very attractive to him, and uh, so you know if Utah lands lands Puka, it's you know somebody needs to throw a party for Samson because that that's that's why it happened. Throw the parade. Yeah, hang a banner. <laughs> We're waiting. We're waiting for that parade. Well, and and, and to be fair, you know I think Samson. He's done a 180 on the program, too. I think he's really found the benefit of what Utah's had to offer, and I, I, I think his experience this season especially has, has really shown him that sometimes the best you know, the best pond to go swimming in is the one in your own backyard. Yep. And and, and well, he's an interesting guy. Or anyway. the double tree, right? <laughs> he's a... <laughs> He's a free spirit, you know. You look at his haircut. He's yeah. never seen a camera that he couldn't get in front of too after practice. He's so. great. He's one of my favorite youths. He's yeah. awesome. He's great. Yeah, and but I think I think he's starting to show the maturity of like, hey, there is more to it than just going out and getting the bag and, and finding the best offer and whatever Hollywood parties. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and and I think it's having an influence on Puka. And you know, I think that there were some plays that Samson made against USC that I think probably really stood out to Puka when he was at that game. So. Just for Utah, it's a big deal if he comes here. Uh, Huge, yeah. like it, like it, it's almost a program changer in that respect. If he doesn't, it's just kind of another day at the office, right? Because we've always missed out on the big kids that go out of state. And what do they always do when they go? They want to come back, hmm. you know. And and that's another thing that with, with Dan bringing up Jack Sears is, oh, you know, Jack came around finally. Yeah. You know, Didn't so. get him initially, but maybe second go round yeah, if that happens. But but I think that with a guy like that, like the good thing is we we already know he can play. Honestly, you guys kill it in recruiting. Appreciate all that that you're willing to share with us and on our listeners. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. So as we kind of wrap this up, I think we just kind of go once around the table. Just kind of final thoughts. Final, final thoughts on 2018. It was a fun season. I mean, obviously, as as we recapped and gone over it, uh, winning winning the Pac-12 South, just that experience alone sticks out to me. Um, this, this team, they did something that was, that was just huge. And it's, it's history, essentially, for the University of Utah football program. And, and I think with what we have coming back, it just, it lays the groundwork to do something even bigger. 
and uh, I mean, I'm I'm just excited. I'm excited that uh, you know here we go. We got uh, um, we got some football here. Um, what a month out? Yeah, month out, yeah, and then and then after that, we got spring ball starting, and uh, so before we know it, s- summer's going to be over, and we'll be we'll be back at it. But uh, I, I I had a blast. It was fun just uh, doing this podcast and just kind of going through the season, the ups and the downs, but. As a Ute fan, you you can't be anything but proud of this team and excited for the future that's uh, that's ahead of them. Piggybacking on Scott there, as far as the, there was there was definitely some ups and downs, but I kind of look at that. Uh, I want to say it was the Washington State game where Huntley threw that long touchdown pass and just started pounding the ground. He was he was happy again, and that and that seemed to spark something. And there was just that fun team atmosphere that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier and that went through the season and really just looking forward to what's ahead. I mean, I think next season's going to be special. I think we finally scratched the surface of what this program could do. Uh, I I think this season was a a good example of of what Utah coaches have been working hard for a long, long time to accomplish in in terms of winning a South Division championship and uh, they proved that they can do things their way and be successful um, and, and in addition to that, they're making the changes to be even more successful. I think Winningham has proven that he's adaptable, and that's huge, especially for a guy that's getting older and later into his coaching career. Now, he's never going to completely flip the switch. You know, like, we're not going to see him come out and drop, you know, pirate quotes like Mike Leach <laughs> next year. But, <laughs> I mean, he did start to kind of give a little bit more flavor to He made a polygamy joke in yeah. the <laughs> press conference <laughs> for the bowl game. Not only that, but uh, my favorite Whittinghamism that, that came about out of this year is, well, what do you think, Mr. Reporter? <laughs> that was great. That was great. So, you know, like we're seeing those those changes take place, and we're seeing the results of it. So I think, you know, if I'm going to sum up this season, it was it's always fun when it's Utah football. I think this one was especially fun. It'll be one that I'm going to remember for a really long time. You know, uh, it's about relationships, and and we built a lot of them this season with with players, with friends, with fans, with friends, whatnot. And you know, I think they're just scratching the surface of what we can really do with that as a whole. You know, Brian said it really well, and this is going to be one of my favorite. Uh, certainly, it's probably my favorite Utah season I've covered, including the 20, 2008 season. That just. Um, in the the the, me- the memorable things that happened and uh, you know the the whole team fun thing was has been a blast for me and you know i think one of my biggest lessons from this season is is when you look at 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 a football season from a fan or even a reporter standpoint and um it's it's really easy to to jump to conclusions especially before the story is over and I think this season really taught me personally that, you know, you got to wait for the story to play out and be be a little bit patient. And, and you know, and there were moments, there there were a lot of different turning moments in, in that made things go right for Utah. You know, just the 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 pick six at Stanford for Jalen Johnson, and even within that game, the touchdown pass from Tyler Huntley to Samson Nakua that really kept that that comeback at bay. That the season turned on that, and then the ne- the next week they come back and and you got the covey pass to huntley you know the season continues to turn on a moment like that you know the the byu game the 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 pick six and then the 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 jason shelley you know juking 
you know, I, I think that that, that jock stat strap is still <laughs> embedded <laughs> in the turf at, 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 uh, stadium. I, I mean, Jason Shelley had two moments, right? He had the hurdle and he had the juke. Yeah. The, Which one was better? Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, that you eat your heart out Taysom Hill. The, 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 <laughs> the, the, the hurdle made for the better picture. The juke was the better moment because oh, yeah. of, of the time and the context and how crazy that st- stadium went. But, you know, that, the, that was a, turning point for this season and what could have been and, and a couple of them and you know in, in the bowl game and in the in the pac 12 game didn't go the way that they did but you know i can't look at this season and see it as anything other than a, just a resounding success and gives us an appetite for more mm-hmm. and it whets our appetites for more certainly and but 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 really i mean that was a big lesson for me is is the moments matter and 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 things can turn on a on a single moment a single play whether it's a game whether it's a season and those are the things that you know when we're looking back at at 2018 you know in 2028 you know 10 years the, the whole facebook you know what i was looking like 10 years ago when 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 we look back 10 years from now you know those are the things that i'm going to remember and and some of the personalities and the guys that stepped up and overcame adversity um but but this is certainly one of my my favorite teams i've ever covered and uh, and, you know, I, I hope that we see an opportunity for this program to build upon that for next year to, to reach even greater heights. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm on record, you know, here tonight and, and, and elsewhere. I'm really bullish on the future of Utah football. And I'm really bullish on the future of this fan base and how uh, as a football community here in the state of Utah and as a football community, as a fan base, how and a, as a program uh, at the University of Utah under Cal Whittingham, how everybody can work together to elevate this to, to, to make it something truly special and unique in the Pac-12 and, and really make it formidable and, and make it a feared program, not just in the Pac-12, but in, in, in all of college football. And I really am convinced that Utah is well on their way. For me, I think this season was just exciting. Starting from fall camp to the end, and how many programs out there can say that they lose their starting quarterback, their starting running back, and they can finish the season as strong as they did? I, I really loved that. There were guys that were young that stepped up that we weren't expecting to see, and they delivered. And I think that's one thing that, um, we've been wanting to see since they've joined the Pac-12 is that depth. And so for me, it's just exciting to be able to finally see that 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 football Pac-12 depth that they have. So as we wrap this up, I, I do want to give another shout-out to Double Tree Suites. If you're like me, my mother-in-law, she's great, but when she comes down to visit, it's kind of nice to put her up in a hotel. So every time I, I just get a room at Doubletree, I win son-in-law points every single time, and she's not living in my house. So you can always check them out online at Hilton.com, and they're located at 110 West, 600 South, and you can give them a call at 801-359-7800. Dan, Brian, thank you guys so much for coming on. Why don't you tell people Ute Zone, where they can find you, where they can read your stuff. So yeah, youthzone.com, um, you know, we, we, it's 
a huge community. It's it's if look if you're a diehard Ute fan and, and you're not on Ute Zone, I'm just gonna it's gonna sound arrogant, but you're doing it wrong. That's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> nice. uh, it's it, it's a it's a great community, you know, and and it, we're we're seeing friendships being made, and and you know we we've got an amazing staff, uh, people that I truly love and and treat as family, and 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 we work our tails off to bring you you know the the best and the most up to date information. You know, Steve Bartle at this very moment is is slaving away in Hawaii, you know, covering recruits. The poor guy. Yeah, he funny. suffers for his art. He really does. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, subscribe. Uh, we're, you know, if for, for the listeners, we're going to be running a, a promo in, in the next week or two. So, so be on the lookout for that. It's going to be multiple months for the price of one. If you haven't, if you haven't checked this out yet, you know, give us a shot. You know, you know, come hang out with other like-minded Ute fans. Leverage the message board. You know, leverage you know access to us, and you can ask us any question. You can ask us for the ten millionth time, we'll answer it. You know, and, and even do it politely. Um, but uh, you know, I don't guarantee any of that. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So so like, so that's my plug. You know, just give us a shot. Come be part of the family because because we, we really do try to treat it like a family, and, and we're having a lot of fun with it. And we've grown so much in the last year. We uh, that. Uh, it's it, we're taking this to, to to new and bigger heights, and and, and it's really a, an exciting time to be a part of the site. And uh, and if I can throw a plug for for the Stallions, go buy season tickets, support football, su- hit up Brian. Brian will take good care of you. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, what Dan said about U Zone is is why I am where I am now is is because I was able to experience you know his culture, and he brought me in and allowed me the opportunity to thrive. Uh, under his leadership and whatnot, and working with Steve and developing the relationships is essentially what got me, you know, to. I say this a lot. Like I got to live out a dream this year. Uh, I, when I was 18, 16 years old, I used to drive around doing deliveries for my dad, and uh, I would host my own radio show in the van when the radio wouldn't work. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so I've always wanted to do that. And Dan has given me the opportunity to do some of that stuff, and and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the opportunity I got to meet you guys. Um, you know, like I, I mean this genuinely that moment after the BYU game, when we got to run into each other was a special moment for me because it was, these are friends and these are relationships that we've developed over the season that, you know, we never would have met otherwise, Yeah, you know? And, and so that's why I sell football, you know, like is the, the play is going to be great with the stallion. Sure. But like, come build some relationships, you know, come build some bonds, come, come, Come experience, you know, the real joy that you can have with with football in your life. You know, one more season. So, uh, SaltLakeStallions.com. You can find me on Twitter at BrettMeyerSLC. Uh, I do not guarantee that content will be worthwhile, but <laughs> um, you know, I I it's love I love interacting with people on there, especially you guys. So, and, and I love what you guys do with this. Uh, you know, uh, kudos to you guys for for building this thing, for for growing it, for always being so proactive for dedicating yourselves to this, you know, like we get good benefits from doing what we do as Utah. You guys do this all out of your own pocket, out of your own time and energy and effort. And, and people don't understand how much time and effort you guys have to put into it. I do. So thank you guys for what you do and and for continuing to do this and continuing to spread the good word of, of what it is that we're this community. And I, and I want to echo that you guys are awesome and, and I respect the work that you do and, and you do it the right way and, and you work hard for very little reward. It, it's, it's truly a labor of love and, and it's, it's guys like you that, that make Utah football and the Utah football community so special. And it, it's one of the reasons why I'm so 
so bullish on, on what's happening is because of, of, of guys like you. And so you do effort and investment that you guys have, you know, you, yep, exactly you what you put into it and what you guys have put into it is great. And so, um, you know, I just thank you guys for doing that and, and for setting the tone for, for people of the future to do the same thing. Yep. I, I appreciate that. that. I mean, yeah, we're right. big fans of, of Ute Zone and, and what you guys put on. Uh, feelings definitely mutual. Thank, thank you for taking time out of your days of your families when you could be at home doing whatever you want to do rather than slumming it with us. So we deeply, <laughs> deeply appreciate it. Dan's looking at me like I'm supposed to speak up here. I don't have a family, so this is literally all I want to do. Well, this is fun. It's fun to kind of reminisce a little bit yeah. and uh, have have a good time. It is. Ryan, where should people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Uh, you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. And uh, my, my plug for Ute Zone, I'm a, I'm a paying member of, of Ute Zone, and it, is, it, is, it truly is worth it. Um, the content that you get uh, from these guys, and uh, for, if, you, if you love Utah athletics, man, there's nothing better. It truly, uh, you, get, you get inside information, and, and there's just so many great people on there that just, you, you, even though you don't, it's none of it's face to face. You feel like you get to know so many different people. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, like I talked about earlier, it, like it's fun to share the inside jokes with you guys when I'm listening. You know, like there are things that happen like that on the board now, too. And that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. So definitely it's, it's well worth it uh, for, for what you pay. You, you, get, you get way more out of it. So if you, if you uh, like Utah athletics, it's really, as Dan said, it's where you need to be. Awesome. And you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. You can always download us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere you find a podcast, we are there. And until we record again, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. If we were at a bar right now, I'd probably have a drunk guy come up and say, Hey, do you know how big you are? <laughs> <laughs> are you asking for my measurements, bud? Because I can do that. <laughs> I think like the best thing to be in a bar is either a really pretty girl or a really big dude. Because you're going to get a drink bought for you by the end of the night. <laughs> you, get, you get attention. Really? Way, huh? Dude. You've never seen this? No. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. not a really big dude. I'm just kind of like average tall. Yeah. Well, we've never really been to a bar like that before. No, nah, we, we were just to go to like one of the kitty bars around here. Oh, for sure. Some. <sighs> hey, bro, you know who you look like? Action Bronson. Thanks, bud. Heard it a million times. <laughs> yeah, that sounds <laughs> Let horrible. me buy a drink, bro. <laughs> I, see, all this, see all this gray in the beard? Like, I'm way too old for that.